Our sermon text for this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 16, verses 5 through 15. Would you please stand as you are able for the reading of the Gospel? But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. Therefore, I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Let's pray. Lord, you are good and your mercy endures forever. Thank you for your word to us this morning and your promise of the Holy Spirit to speak to us and guide us in our daily walk. Speak through your text this morning that we may find comfort and be encouraged by your promises for us. Amen. You may be seated. You know, it seems like every time I read a gospel text like ours this morning, I discover something new about Jesus. Well, not, not something new, I suppose, but something I hadn't really picked up on before. Whether that's the humility with which he interacts with the typical outcasts of society when he's preaching, whether it's the bold yet thoughtful rebuke of one of the disciples when they speak out of turn, or the grace he displays during his suffering and death at the hands of those whom he came to save. There's always a little detail or a little tidbit in there that strikes me, and this, that was certainly true with this passage. What struck me as I read through this passage this week was the tenderness that Jesus shows to his disciples even despite his certain feelings of sorrow and isolation. Sometimes we forget that Jesus is fully human, feeling all the human emotions that you and I feel. And the emotions he must have been feeling during this particular interaction must have been extremely intense. You see, Jesus knows that his time is drawing near for his work on earth to be accomplished, for him to be arrested, and hung on the cross to die for the sins of the world. That reality must have been weighing heavily on him as this moment drew near. Here at the beginning of our passage in verse 5, Jesus, in almost a somber tone, says, But now I am going to him who sent me, and yet none of you asks me, where are you going? Right? None of you seem to care what's going to happen to me. Jesus has spent all this time with these 12 men, these 12 disciples. 
And those feelings you and I feel must have crept in at this moment. None of you seem to care about what is going to happen to me. This is almost heartbreaking. By the way, this isn't the first time that he's spoken of his impending departure. In fact, it's the third. And the second time he's mentioned that he's going to the Father, and yet the disciples still aren't seeing the whole picture. They're not even looking for the whole picture. Now, to be fair, in chapter 13, Peter promised to follow Jesus wherever he went, even to death. And in doing so, I suppose he sort of asked where Jesus was going. But he wasn't really listening for an answer to his question. Instead, he was more just trying to prove his unshakable loyalty. And when Jesus announced that he was leaving in chapter 14, Thomas did ask Jesus about his leaving, but the tone was more confused than inquisitive, one of misunderstanding and sorrow that he was leaving rather than actually expressing interest in Jesus' destination and what it meant. Jesus laments here that none of them have asked him where he's going. And why haven't they? Well, it's because they're caught up in their own sadness. Right? They don't want Jesus to leave, of course, and they're overwhelmed by their own sorrow to even ask Jesus where he's going. And yet, overcoming his own emotions and feelings, Jesus tenderly explains to his disciples what is to come. He explains that while the disciples only feel the weight of the sadness at the idea of him leaving, this is actually a message of hope and to the advantage of the disciples. Because only when Jesus leaves can this new character, whom Jesus calls the helper, come and speak hope and truth to his disciples. While this is seemingly a daunting change for the disciples, it's a good and necessary one. But as of yet, the disciples can't see the whole picture. While I'm struck with the tenderness Jesus shows in the interaction with his disciples, I can certainly identify more with the disciples in this situation. And I encourage you to put yourselves in their shoes for just a moment. For the last three years or so, you have given up everything to follow Jesus. You have left your families and your livelihoods behind because you believed in the ministry of this man. And what a wondrous and awesome journey it's been. And yet here, for the third time, your leader and your friend has proclaimed that he would soon be leaving to return to his father in heaven. What does that mean for you? What are you supposed to do with that? Furthermore, Jesus says that though I'm leaving, it's actually for the best. And it will actually be better for you when I'm gone. It is to your advantage that I go. It will be better for you. Jesus, hold on a minute. What on earth do you mean it'll be better for us if you leave? Yeah, Jesus says it's better for you, and here's why. When I leave, I'm going to give you something. Jesus, with all due respect, what could you possibly give us that would be better than you just staying with us? There is nothing you can give us that could be better for us than just being with you, right? 
See, the disciples couldn't focus on what came next because they were caught up in the emotions of the change that was about to take place. Change is hard, isn't it? I think it's fair to say that most people don't love change. When we grow accustomed to life the way it is, it can be very difficult to embrace a change from that way of life, whether that means taking on a new job or moving across the country or out into a mission field across the world or graduating from high school and moving away from friends and family for college can be emotional, an emotional experience. Starting a new relationship or even ending an old relationship can be a very difficult change, even if that relationship was a broken one. Yeah, change is hard, but sometimes it's necessary too. And we are comforted by Jesus' words in this passage because he promises us that the helper, the Holy Spirit, will be with us to help us through the change and that we will, we will be better because of it. See, what the disciples didn't understand, partially because they didn't ask, was that Jesus needed to return to the Father who sent him in order to accomplish what he had been sent on earth to do. And that is die on the cross for the sins of the world. While the disciples were simply focused on him leaving, they didn't understand the immense suffering Jesus would experience as a result. But of course, in his tenderness, Jesus understood that the disciples could not yet bear the truth of exactly what he meant when he said it was time to go away. They wouldn't find out the gravity of those words until later, and they would struggle with it then, for sure. But to fulfill God's plan of salvation, Jesus needed to leave, and the disciples needed to let him go. Yet Jesus doesn't announce his departure and leave the void unfilled, he instead promises that when he's gone, the helper, or the paraclete, will come in his stead. Paraclete is a Greek word that is a conjunction of two different words. Para, which means come alongside, and kaleo, which means to call or to speak in the truth. Another possible English translation would be like an advocate. In his stead, Jesus has promised to send the Holy Spirit, which will come alongside and speak truth and counsel the disciples, and those who call upon the Lord's name. Once Jesus accomplishes the task he was sent to accomplish, to die on the cross for the sins of the world, to be buried, and to rise again from the dead and ascend back into heaven, only then can the Holy Spirit descend. And as we read in verse 13 and 14, the Holy Spirit will declare Jesus' words and glory to those who believe. This is incredibly important for us to understand. Jesus had to ascend back into heaven so that his glory could be declared by the Holy Spirit on earth. The disciples had to let go of their friend Jesus, the man Jesus, their leader, so that the Holy Spirit could descend upon them at Pentecost and so that they could carry out the roles given to them in developing the early church. Now, oftentimes, the Holy Spirit is the most misunderstood member of the Holy Trinity. I think it's fairly simple to understand God the Father. We read about his role as the creator in Genesis, the father to Abraham, a guide and provider for Israel, speaking through the prophets. 
We have the Old Testament to provide information on the Father. We also understand Jesus. I mean, his story is written in four different gospel accounts in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Paul talks about him pretty extensively in the epistles. There is plenty of information to gather an understanding of Jesus. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, it can be a little more difficult. I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan in the world, uh, far from it, in fact. But I have seen all of them. And sometimes the Holy Spirit can kind of seem like the force in Star Wars. Like, I know it's there. It's an important part of the movie. I'm sure it gets talked about a lot. But it seems so spiritual in nature. There's nothing, like, physical to look at. Maybe it's sometimes kind of hard to identify. There have been many times in my spiritual walk where I have wondered, man, how much easier would it be if I could have just been there with Jesus? If I could have lived during Jesus' days? If I could have seen the miracles he performed with my own eyes? If I could have heard him preach with my own ears? If I could have spoken to him with my own voice? Then my faith would be so strong. I would take every opportunity to share the gospel with everyone I ever met. How could I possibly resist if I saw all of it for myself? But no luck. I just missed him by about 2,000 years. But the disciples saw all that Jesus did. They listened to him preach and teach. They saw him perform miracles, turning water into wine, multiplying bread and fish. The disciples even cast out demons in his name. They experienced it, man. And here they are being told that Jesus is going away and he's sending this paraclete. And somehow, it's to their advantage. How is that possible? There are two profound truths that I pray we take to heart from this passage today. The first one is exactly what Jesus said. Even though we don't have Jesus Christ walking among us, as his disciples did, we have the Holy Spirit, which is even better, because no matter where we are, the Holy Spirit is always with us, and it's Christ speaking to us. If you feel isolated and alone, as Jesus did in the Garden of Gethsemane before he was arrested and hung on a cross, the Holy Spirit is with you. If you feel lost, away from family, friends, and away from home, the Holy Spirit is with you. If you find yourself in a difficult situation, facing down difficult decisions, or struggling with the consequences of bad decisions you've already made, the Holy Spirit is with you in a way that nobody on earth ever could be. This is the advantage Jesus was speaking of to his disciples. The second truth is this. Jesus understands where we're at. And Jesus understands what we can bear. Jesus understands where we're at and what we can bear. After Jesus gives a brief overview of the paraclete in verses 7 through 11, he cushions his explanation in verse 12 when he says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. 
This is the tenderness of Jesus. He understands that the disciples cannot possibly bear the burden of the knowledge of what is about to happen to him. They can't even accept that he's leaving. How will they ever come to terms with the fact that he has to be put to death? Now, Jesus doesn't overwhelm them with information. Instead, he recognizes where they're at. He recognizes their limitations to what he can share with them at this moment. And he gives to them what they can handle. And wouldn't you know it, through the Holy Spirit whom he sent, he does the same thing for us today. As I progress through seminary, I'm almost exactly halfway done as of two weeks ago. I've started fielding questions from other students or professors about what I'm looking to do once I graduate. Whether I want to jump right into a full-time head pastor role, if I want to continue in a role similar to the one I have here, uh, if I feel God calling Madison and I to be missionaries somewhere else, whether or not I feel called to go back to the West Coast, all sorts of questions. And when I hear these questions, I, I give them a, a little thought, sure. But I've never really given a definite answer because, frankly, I, I don't know. And to be honest, I'm totally comfortable not knowing. When I graduated from high school, I never dreamed I would end up in ministry. When I accepted my first time or my first part-time ministry job at my home church back in Washington, I never thought it would end up being a career. It was just a 10-hour-a-week job. And when I proposed to the church to make me full-time, I never would have believed you if you'd told me that God would find me a wonderful wife, send me back to school full-time, and then move me 1,000 miles from my home to be a pastor all in less than three years. That's madness. And I know that I couldn't have handled it or I wouldn't have handled it well if I had found that all out at once. I probably would have quit and never gone down that path. See, God knows that I hate change, but he also knows that I need change. So he gives it to me in bite-sized pieces that I can handle, real small bite-sized pieces at that. And he speaks to me through the Holy Spirit every step of the way encouraging me and reminding me that he has a perfect plan for me. And I have become comfortable with that. So, Hannah and Brielle, as we celebrate both of you today for your accomplishments and growing up, and as we express our excitement for you as you embrace these changes that are taking place in your lives, as you head off to school in the fall, as you find jobs make new friends, or whatever else God has planned for you. Know this. No matter what happens as you enter this new and exciting time in your lives, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, the Great Counselor is with you wherever you go, seeking opportunities to speak truth into your lives, to direct you and guide you as you make decisions. And also know that Jesus sees you for who you are. And he understands your capabilities better than even you do. Jesus won't overwhelm you with too much information. Sometimes he only shows you one step at a time. 
Sometimes that step might even need to be back the way you came, if I'm being honest. But he does have a plan for you, and it's perfect. Now, his plan may not seem to make sense to you at the time. His plan certainly didn't make sense to the disciples, as we read today. But his plan is to your advantage. His plan is better for you. And while we don't have Jesus here with us today to speak to us, we do have the Holy Spirit, and that's even better. Let's pray. Lord, you are good, and your mercy endures forever. Thank you, Jesus, for your tenderness as you lead and guide us. Thank you for your death and resurrection and for sending the Holy Spirit to continue to speak to us even though you are no longer physically on earth with us. Remind us that you have a plan for us. Give us peace when you reveal parts of that plan to us, even when that involves change. And give us strength to boldly follow your calling for us, regardless of where it takes us. May the remainder of our service this morning bring glory and honor to you. Amen.